0: From Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on the stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives.
1: So, this is The Stoop Sessions. I'm talking about intentional living on the stoop.
2: <laughs> or inside a house That's right. that has a stoop. That's right. <laughs> I guess.
0: Love it.
1: All right. How do we want to start this?
2: I guess we just can start with a conversation. Yeah. Do you want to do intros? Do we want to at least say who, what our voices so are? are you? I'm Stephanie. What do and you do? Um, I work at the Garden Church as a life coach. Ooh, no, I don't. I'm a gospel worker. I should restart that. I forget my rules sometimes.
1: Well, you're you're a life coach from the community's perspective. True, true. But kind of the way that we think of things internally, we understand you to be a gospel worker. Right. But you present as a life coach as it relates to the ministry that you do.
2: Yeah, so helping people figure out things from A to Z. So whether that's IDs, budgets, their own identity... Looking at that from a, a gospel perspective. So yeah. that's what I, I do.
1: And I am Joel Kurz. Did you mention your name?
2: I'm Stephanie. Yeah, I totally said it. Stephanie Greer. That I, is that that's my I name. Did say Greer? I did say Greer. <laughs> it's easier than my last name, which I love both my last names. So Stephanie, LaFerrier, Greer, I guess, if you want the whole governmental. You keep you kept
1: LaFerrier in your name.
2: I did, I made it my middle name. Oh, yeah, really? I don't have a middle name.
1: You don't have a middle name? I don't. I mean, and I. We're going to have to do a whole episode. We might. Right. You don't have a middle name. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I'll take it. So yeah, I love, uh, I love my Haitian culture. I love what our last name stands for. So I thought, might as well just move it over to the left.
1: And my name is Joel. I'm <laughs> uh, the pastor at the Garden Church.
0: My name is Eric Hill. And um, I'm also one of the pastors at the Garden Church. But I also work full time. So I'm a physical therapist assistant during the daytime working uh, for this company called Home Care Maryland, and I get the privilege of uh, serving the elderly population throughout Baltimore City. That's
1: what's up. So so the three of us are part of a church in West Baltimore called the Garden Church, and out of the Garden Church is this ministry called One Hope, and uh, you can find more information at www.onehope.gives. About 12 years ago, I moved to Baltimore and began the process of what would eventually become a church. And I did a lot of things wrong. I made a lot of mistakes early on. But I think if there was anything that I did right, it was this. I moved into the neighborhood. And from from the get-go, we encouraged people to think about living intentionally in the neighborhood. And in some ways, I think that's kind of marked our church, hasn't it? Like, I think that's somewhat of a uh, uh, one of our strength as strength as a church is that we've got a lot of folks that live right in the neighborhood. It's been a huge blessing for us. And so we thought, why don't we, as we're starting this podcast, why don't we? start talking about one of the strengths that came out of the garden church and that's just intentional living.
2: Yeah. What yep. Joel, would you define it because I think the word intentional and living gets thrown around a lot and so yeah. what does intentional living even mean? What what are you what are you getting at? You
1: can certainly be intentional anywhere, right? So if you're that's in the right. suburbs, you, if your church is 30 minutes away, there's all sorts of ways to live intentionally. I think what we're talking about though is that we're intentionally living in the neighborhood where our church is. Yeah. We're intentionally choosing to live, remain, stay among church members uh, as much as possible, not possible for everybody. That is true.
2: What are some of the benefits to intentional living? You know, what would be some of the temptations away from it, and what are some of the benefits?
0: You know, first, the neighborhood that our church is in, right? Um, you know, it's a neighborhood that is... Uh, Plagued by violence, uh, drugs. So um it's not easy um living in this neighborhood, but that's why they call it, you know, intentional intentional living. I know me making a decision uh to to live intentionally in this neighborhood, me and my wife, we made it together, um, wasn't an easy uh decision, right? It it came it was it w- it was difficult. Um choosing to, to live in this neighborhood just because we have children. And I think if we didn't have children, it would probably be an easy decision.
1: What 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 is difficult about living in the neighborhood? What are some of the difficulties yeah, in um, our context? Yeah,
0: again, I think um, just, you know, the, the drug trade, um, and with the drug trade, it comes violence. And one thing about... You know, myself, I'm a native Baltimorean, and one thing about growing up in a city like Baltimore is that when you live in um, these urban environments um, that are plagued by drugs, crime, things like that, the, I think the, the scariest thing is that you just never know what is gonna happen. You just don't. You can walk out your door and, you know, somebody, you can do a drive by. Like, you just, you just don't know. There's always a, a, a level of just uncertainty.
1: Remember uh, when was it? Back in January, maybe it was during the winter. Yeah, there was a shooting right outside of uh, one of the one of the uh, housing complexes yep. where your kids and my kids yep. walk to school every exactly. day. They, they walk literally down that sidewalk. Yeah, and um, there was a shooting there. A couple a couple young people were sh- were yep. hit. A mother was hit. Yeah. Um,
0: Stephanie was nearby. Yeah, I was actually. I was
2: outside and. Um, you could, uh, it happened just the block uh, from us. So we saw the, we heard the noise, the gunshots, the car, the commotion. You the know noise. when that was?
1: It was March. Yeah. Right at the beginning of the pandemic.
2: That's it. That's
1: what, that's what kicked off our pandemic. Yep. That's when it was. That's right. what it felt like
2: for me. Yeah. Because yep. yeah. I
1: remember being out there thinking like, I might be getting the coronavirus right now while I'm standing out here in this big crowd of people.
2: Yeah. That is true. It was, uh yeah. it was right when we started to kind of uh laid down the stay at home
1: yeah.
2: orders um i think it was that exact week actually
1: but just as an example though that's sort of uh it, it makes us think like mm. man my kids literally walk by here every day this happens in broad daylight there yeah. were young people that were hit it was it seems pretty random from yeah. what we could tell and and so it, there's there are some challenges yeah. that come with living in the kind of context that we are planting churches in and wanting to promote uh solid ministry in yeah
2: yeah, I think when, Eric, you say it was a decision, uh, that's probably the only intentional thing that you right, said right. is that we know for sure right. that we are deciding this. But you brought up uncertainty, and I think we you know, read scriptures, we'll read Proverbs three 3.5, like, trust yeah. in the Lord, acknowledge him, yeah. but we don't really recognize the fact that um, we don't have as much control as exactly. we think we do. And I think one of the struggles and the benefits to living intentionally, particularly in our neighborhood and our context is, we come face to face with the yeah. idea, more than the idea, the reality that we are not in control of even our lives that's right. and other people's lives. So I think, you know, when you talk about that decision, there's so many layers that goes in when you say, OK, that's one thing if I'm choosing this. But what happens for my three year old or exactly. what happens for my, you know, my 11 year old and my 12 year old? You know, how, how do they reconcile this? How do I promote living here, loving here, but also being aware of everything. So I think that that, that's a real, it's one thing when you're saying me and my wife are making this decision, but how do we make these decisions in a way that uh, we're still considering our whole family? And you have a family too, Joel, so I'm sure that is something that we, you know, contemplate one of the struggles perhaps.
1: I don't want to be like the positive guy here, but uh, (laughs) there's also some positive things. Yeah, no, for sure.
2: It's 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 paradox. It's paradox.
1: I mean, I I don't. So there are some challenges, and you know, there's some realities that we face. um, And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But there are some positives, and actually, when I think about my experience day to day, I don't think of it as. Such a sacrifice, yeah. you know. And I think sometimes when when people are uh looking in from the outside or yeah. come and visit, they're like, "Oh man, you know, this is a uh, real ministry that you guys are doing, living in the neighborhood." But I think for the most part, yeah. it just feels like pretty pretty decent life. Well, We yeah. live here. Yeah, we, yeah, live, I mean, we live here. And, and I'll say this: I think one of the things that makes it enjoyable is the fact that Eric, you live about what five blocks from me.
0: About five, yeah.
1: Stephanie, you live about—you lived in my house, and then That's you lived true. about For three maybe years, then twelve <laughs> eight, blocks from me, and yeah. now you live about eight blocks from right, me. Right yep. here we are, and, um, and so we're near each other. Yeah, and that—that that changes things.
2: Yeah, yeah, when you talk about benefits, I think the first thing that is a benefit uh, is the fact that it combats the idea of individualism. Yep.
1: You know, we read so? in the
2: scriptures. So much of how Christ worked when we look at the one another's are saying, bear with one another, encourage one another, you know, um, love one another. And and in my flesh, I'd love to do those things solo. But the beauty of living here is that I um, can no longer just consider myself. And I find that in serving other members that I live around and with, uh, that that is actually the beauty of saying, wow, we're like, God is giving me joy. And being able to be around for a brother who is maybe tempted to um, go and grab weed off the streets, but he just ran into me on his way into the alley. Like, that is, like... Yeah. if you want to talk about happened. yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> it happens uh it was it was, it was eric it was yeah. not
2: eric because i probably would be a little bit more reckless than i was before like what Well, right um uh maybe a little bit more aggressive i was a little bit more
1: calm but let me push uh, yeah. let me push back a little bit There, there are some people who might say that's exactly why i don't want to live near Near ministry. like there, are, there are some people who say, like, man, I've, I, I can do church on Sundays. Maybe even some pastors who, throughout the week, I can put in my my forty, fifty hours a week. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't want to sleep. I don't want to live near where I'm doing ministry. I want to, I want to get out of there.
0: Yeah. Again, like the Bible calls us to to bear each other's burdens and stuff like that. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. It's impossible
0: to to do that if, like, we're not in community with one another. Like, it, I think it's just that much harder to actually do that. I come from a church where it was probably like a 40-minute commute uh, to church, and most of the members, that commute was probably that long.
1: So do you think if if you have a 40-minute commute, is it is it impossible to bear one another's burdens?
0: It's not – I wouldn't say it's – maybe or, not impossible, what, but I think it's harder. I think it, I yeah. think it just – it's much
1: easier to do. So we could say maybe that one of the benefits yeah. is when we look at the one another's in the Scripture, it's just easier It's easy, yep. to fulfill and obey it's the Bible. Exactly. Yep. So I think love one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, yeah. stir up one another to love and good deeds, pray for one another, be hospitable to one another. That's a good one. Yep. It's easier to fulfill some of these one another's if we're near each other.
2: It's very true. Right. Yeah. And I, I think... Uh, of course we can address that we're humans, we get tired, we get discouraged, we get weary, but those things would happen otherwise. So whether or not you want to detach from ministry or to kind of remove responsibility, I actually think that that's a lie that makes us feel more comforted. If we are trying to look like Christ and not be Christ, cause there's a distinction, <laughs> but to look like Christ, I, at the end of my most tired days of living in the neighborhood, I don't feel like I am grieving by myself. I don't feel like I'm carrying the burden on my own. In fact, I think that God is able to show me his very hands and feet by knowing specifically face and name, um, having been in the living room of someone that is experiencing the same thing with me. And so I think the lie is I'm alone in this. Therefore, I do not want to bring this into my every hour day. And we know that when Christ saves us. He saves all of us, and so I'm not saying that somebody in the suburbs can't. But you know, I kind of share that sentiment when people thank you for thank you for the work that you're doing, and I think that that creates a chasm or a division where it's like, no, I, I'm, it's privileged to live here. It's hard, but it's also really beautiful. We hear from our members. I wish I lived closer, mm-hmm. um, because we can just acknowledge that this world is a hard place to live in, and so to do that with fellow Christians and to experience joy, uh, to be able to see. Nieces and nephews that were not mine from you know uh, biologically but have become mine as a result of living in community, I, I would not choose to live anywhere else. And so, I like that you talked about the benefits. It's not just like, oh, let's just gloss this positive picture. No, it actually is a good place to be. Good and difficult can live to, yeah, with each yeah. other.
1: So, we, there's some clear benefits for one another, uh, as we serve each other. You know, if I need, uh, if I need a an egg, I can go over to Eric's house and get an egg. Right. We have right? lots of. Them. Like Sometimes there's ways <laughs> that we can serve each other that we <laughs> just can't if, we're, yeah, if we're living across the city. So there's, there's benefits for those who do live in the neighborhood in the way that we are able to serve each other, to love each other, to be hospitable. It's not to say that those members who don't live in the neighborhood, even in our church, are second class, uh, but we just got to be honest that it is a little more difficult uh, than if you were living. You know, right there in the neighborhood. I also want to turn the corner a little bit here, though, and talk about evangelism because there's also this, this if you would, a missional presence to, uh, to being in the neighborhood. So I think of a lot of people that our church has had the opportunity to connect with has been a result of somebody knows somebody who connects with somebody and they get to know somebody and they, this person kind of bounced around from house to house to house and they begin to realize, like, oh, wow, a lot of you guys live right here and it's not that that in and of itself speaks highly of Jesus to them, but it just gives us ample opportunities uh, to, to love this individual. And, and so I think as a result, then, we share a lot of evangelistic relationships because people just are connected.
2: Yeah, Baltimore, uh, much like any other cities, you know, we're called Smaltimore and it's, we, it's, it's a neighborhood. Smalltimore? Advice. Smalltimore. Right. Am I the only yeah. one that calls it
1: No, I've heard that. Before. That's the name You're of a
0: restaurant, Smaltimore. Is it good? Can, yeah. Ooh,
1: okay. There's two Timores, and we need to talk about that. Another all time.
2: right, first of all, that is a good conversation for another time. But I mean, Eric, could you speak to that? the fact that, think about that time you had youth um, showing up at your house just for snacks or food. You know, you were able to see them, one, on the field. They were able to hang out with Joel. Then they would um, hang out with one of our deacons, and then they started to see a common thread. I mean, these people are different, but they live the same.
0: Uh, some of the kids that, you know, that comes, that, that, uh, comes to the church, we're able to, um, to like, walk with them. Um, they, they see us in the neighborhood because we actually live in the neighborhood. So to, to have them over for snacks or whether that's playing a video game uh, with my son or just to, to shoot hoops um, has been really good uh, for the kids in this neighborhood. It's been good for us. I think it's a powerful uh, witness uh, to the church. Um, Because they know that, you know, we're part of the church. They know that we um, are serving. And I think think children in this neighborhood, I think we need to give them a little more credit. I think they're smart enough to know when someone is kind of being fake and just kind of just being around every once in a while versus actually, oh, this person, he cares about me. He, He actually opened up his home to me and... You know, he's taking me to this place and he's taking time out of his day to, you know, to, to shoot hoops or things like that. So um, it, it's been great um, having the neighborhood kids over and just modeling for them on um, what the love of Christ
1: uh, looks we like. We just hang out right there for a sec. So evangelistically, I think one of the benefits is that when we live in the neighborhood, we don't just look like people are our projects. Uh, We're not just coming in to serve. We're not just coming in to do church and then leave. You know, we're not just coming in on Sunday mornings, interacting as we say hello, and then saying goodbye to the community for the rest of the week. Uh, I I, I think, and I I don't want to indict other churches that don't necessarily take our approach and philosophy as heavily, but... I do think, though, that there can be a challenge for churches to have a strong evangel- evangelistic presence in the neighborhood when, when they're not there throughout the week, you know, because it, it tends to look like we're just your project and you just come in to serve us. But I think our presence in the neighborhood is a way for us to tell the neighborhood, look, look we're, we're with you. You're not just the ministry uh, context for us, but this is our life. This is our home. Yeah, That's
2: good. I, I I think what it does is, you know, you brought up kids being able to see, and I think just even our community, our neighbors can see. Maybe they wouldn't be able to to communicate it in the same way, but to say, well, this person might see me holistically. Like we bring up that word, like what does it mean to love the whole person? I think one of the benefits to living in the neighborhood is that people are able to see your whole person. So the same. Eric that is um, getting groceries out of the car is the same Eric that was on the block earlier is the same um, Eric that is going to be in worship is the same Eric that's going to apologize when he's short uh, in public uh, I've seen you play basketball you're actually probably one of the calmest but that's the scariest part actually when Eric's calm on the, on the court I almost call it a field which shows you how much sports I play uh, I'm like ooh this is concerning but
1: and speaking of basketball you don't have to apologize for being short
2: Oh wait, he just got okay. at him. Oh, was it Bugsby? Is that a real basketball player? Y'all coming for me?
1: Bugs- Bugsby.
2: <laughs> His name's not Bugsby. No.
0: Mugsy. Oh, come on now, I never Steph.
2: read that straight. It's a oh, Baltimore
1: legend. I'm hey, sorry. Where's Mugsy Boggs from? East Baltimore. Lord,
2: I'm gonna spell that out, y'all, and Bugs- i don't have Bugs- stats Muggs.
1: next
2: time. <laughs> thought this whole time. Muggsy,
1: you know, I know I'm sure Muggsy's listening to this podcast so and I just sorry. want to apologize too.
2: That's I'm right. so sorry. I bring up your story so many times and it explains why those kids look at me sideways. And so we can holistically, I'm like, you can do it. You know, Muggsy was short.
1: Mugsby.
2: Um, but holistically, yeah. they can see the whole person. And I think when we look at how Christ lived, he lived, slept, he ate, he walked, and I think it is Easier for us to do that here, and so it's a benefit for sure.
1: So, I think on our next episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Bugsy Mugsy over here.
2: <laughs> Is it Mugs, um, Mose, what's Bugsy, last Mugsy? Most with Bugsy, <laughs> Mugsy <laughs> You got me in <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mugsy Bogs. I think I
2: might have dyslexia. Right. I'm working on it.
1: Tune in for our next episode. We are going to talk a little bit more about uh, what are we going to talk about in the next episode?
2: We're going to talk about stories. We love good stories as a result of living here. So we we want to persuade you.
1: Yeah. Personal stories. Experiences.
0: Yeah. We'll pronounce Muggsy name. Muggs. Right Thanks for listening to the Stoop Sessions. Be sure to catch us next time. As One Hope exists to build healthy churches in the inner city, check us out and connect at www.onehope.gives.